Hello and welcome to Mothers Matter, the podcast which takes a good look at why mothers matter so much to their children, why mothers matter in society and what matters to mothers themselves. Today's guest is Sarah Sear. She is a mother of three. Her oldest child left for university this time last year. He's just gone back for the second time. I was really keen to speak to her because, in a sense, she has finished her original journey with her oldest child. She, well, the original part of the journey that he's now at university. She's got two more still at home. And she's had an interesting life as a mother, having to make choices about work, how to fit work in around children, how to prioritise time with children. And she has a lot of really good reflections on how that has worked out for her. Uh, She's still very much in the middle of it all, but uh, with one child at university, she can see uh, how things are ending up to a certain extent. So it is a really emotional time with empty nests. We feel it even when our children go off to preschool for the first time. Anytime we have to say goodbye to our children uh, can be quite well traumatic and very emotional. And uh, there will be lots of parents going through this experience in September, which is when this is recorded. So I hope you enjoy listening to someone else as how they have coped with an empty nest uh, with the children who are left behind and her thoughts about uh, how the previous 20 years as a mother have gone. Okay, well, Sarah, thank you very much for meeting with me today. And um, I'm really excited to talk to you because in some senses, you are someone who has um, completed (laughs) the first part of being a mother in that your oldest son is now at, well, your son is now at university. So I'm interested to hear about your reflections on your life as a mother up to now and all the twists and turns uh, and so on. And we were uh, talking just earlier about the big decisions you make when the children are first born and mm. um, whether to, um, you know, have a lie flat pram or a sit up pram or anything like that. How do, you, yes. how do you look back on those decisions? Can you see the outcome in your teenagers now? Of those uh, yeah, I'm decisions? sure it made absolutely no difference whatsoever. But I did spend an awful lot of time agonising over the little things of life and, and exactly that. I was very, very keen, I have to say, to have an absolutely life lap pram. Um, and I was very keen not to feed on demand and I was very keen to do it in all the ways that I had read the books and felt that this was the right way. I even spent quite a bit of time getting fit before I became pregnant because I decided that that was the better thing as well. However, I'm really not entirely sure that any of those decisions have made a massive outcome on uh, the children yes um, but it was um yeah it was a way I suppose it was a way I was approaching motherhood because it's a, a way I was approaching life at that time it yeah. fitted in with uh with work styles and brain patterns yes yeah well things these things all loom very big at the beginning as well they're massive decisions that you you can't avoid deciding whether to feed on demand or not you know you have to actually decide mm. but uh, it's difficult to find the right advice and and so on and so forth. So, um, uh, yeah, they're difficult decisions at the beginning. And do you think there's anything? Well, it's probably a big question to start with. Anything that you that really did make a difference from the early years? In in terms of those sort of uh, very the decisions that you make surrounding how you raise your baby, then yes, I'm sure. 
they've made a difference. But because you can't ever do a test mm. on your own child, you know, I can't, uh, you know, have a, mm. a lab test on, you know, this was uh, what my son looked like when he was subjected to my minute mothering, as opposed to what he might have looked like had I been slightly more relaxed. Unfortunately, I don't have the other version. Um, but I, I just think any time, to be honest, any time that you can pour into your children um, to make decisions which you are seeking to make the best decision at that time, then I'm sure that that does have a positive impact. Mm. Um, but, but I don't think it's measurable. Mm-hmm. So it's the, it's the thought processes that uh, mm. I, I, maybe it's training you to be someone who's uh, not an expert but has to make massive decisions all the time. On uh, you know, as the children grow up, you're constantly learning with them what's the right thing to do and. Completely, completely. And, you've, you know, whichever way you look at it, your first child's the guinea pig. Mm. Um, I was fortunate, <clears throat> I should say, we were fortunate enough to have a third child with a much bigger gap. So um, I've always described that being rather like um, going back to university after uh, as a postgrad. <laughs> so you, you know how to be a student, you know how to have fun, and um, but you can remember those study skills so you can get done what you need to. And it was a little bit like that having... Um, Isabel, there was a six-year gap between her and our middle daughter, Alicia. And, um, you know, that was a really very different experience of motherhood. So I was trying to remember the decisions that I had (laughs) agonised over for Ben and Alicia and um, feeling a lot more relaxed about it. So to an extent, she was perhaps my laboratory um, test control um, (laughs) with an eight-year gap between one and one and three. Mm. Uh, did you do? Did you do anything deliberately differently? I that? relaxed a lot more. I mm. I didn't worry so much, but I still I still hung on to the things which I felt had made an overall difference towards um, planning lifestyle. So I didn't. Again, I didn't feed on demand. Again, I attempted breastfeeding. Managed about six months, which was all I ever managed with all three. Yeah. And um, and just longed for those days when they slept through the night. Yeah. So <laughs> they do eventually come. Well, it's, it's interesting because when they're babies, you're always looking for the next um, phase. I think, well, I have to say with the second one, I appreciated that he wasn't moving when he was born and he could just lie there and wasn't crawling all over the place. Yes. So I appreciated that. But otherwise you think, oh, I can't wait till they're out of nappies. I can't wait for this. I can't wait for that. Mm. But then as they get older, you want to put the brakes on and think, actually, I, I don't want, I realise I want maybe the teenage years to go faster, but I don't want them to stop. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, conversely, I don't think that I have particularly felt like that with any of them, and I especially haven't felt it and don't feel it with Isabel. Um, and it was something that I consciously tried to hold on to when I was up at three o'clock again in the middle mm-hmm. of the night um, feeding her that I just thought, right, well, I really am never doing this again, so mm-hmm. I'm just <laughs> going to enjoy it. And, uh, ooh, listen to those bird song. And I did actually identify a few birds which I had never heard before. <laughs> um, so I think... I think that was a, a really valuable experience. Was was seeking to make the the most and look for the pleasure in the hard times. Partly because I knew that that, that she was our you know a gifted third child that there wasn't going to be a fourth, um, and also a big difference, which I'm sure we'll come to, Claire, is that I wasn't 
working and I wasn't going back to work. I wasn't on a maternity leave. And I do think that made a massive difference to my mental mm. approach. So what happened with um, Ben? What, what were you doing well before you had children and then when he was born? So I read law at university and I trained as a solicitor. I worked in the city for 10 years. And um, Ben was born when I was about sort of probably four years into that career. Um, at that time, my husband was a full-time student. He had gone back to university um, and was training to be a teacher. So I was the breadwinner. And therefore, I did go back after six months. There was no option for a 12-month maternity at that time, um, which was very hard. We didn't have any family living nearby, which some people are fortunate enough to have. So he did have to go to childcare nursery for... Um, I think he went for two days a week. And in fact, Nick, student Nick, <laughs> looked after him one day a week. And um, I looked after him two days a week, which sounds a really, really nice balance. However, I did not enjoy the experience of putting my um, seemed still freshly born, beautiful baby into a daycare nursery. Um. And the, I, I found that... Just very, very difficult. Mm, mm. Did you have any sense of how how your son was finding it, being in the nursery? Well, um, initially, I think he did find it very difficult, um, physically very difficult, I think, um, <laughs> because he'd been subjected to my sleep routine and my feeding <laughs> routine and my <laughs> nobody shall speak while the baby is a sleep routine, then actually being um, in a busy... Um, noisy nursery with lots of other babies was I think was traumatic for him and I won't uh, easily forget picking him up one day when he had clearly cried himself to sleep and was sobbing in his sleep oh. mm. Um, mm. however I'm not I'm not here to knock childcare nurseries I'm not here to knock parents who um, use them it was my experience. I'm, a, I'm fairly in touch with my emotions and I think it was just, you know, it was a mixture of me. And actually, I didn't especially enjoy my work. So, in fact, having to leave my beautiful baby for a job that I wasn't yeah. loving was, was, was a challenge. I think, it, you know, other people will find different reasons. However, I did economically have to work, so there was little option for it. And it, it did get better and he... He made friends at that nursery who we are still friends with mm. um, 20 years on. So that's a good thing. <laughs> so how did, um, at what point were you able to stop work then? So I stopped work um, three months after Alicia, our second child, um, went to childcare nursery. So th about, um, it actually must have been slightly longer than three months, but three or four months after I went back to work after my second maternity leave. Um, there was a downturn in the economy at that time and the, the job that I returned to, the same job as a city solicitor, was requiring an awful lot more out-of-hours mm. work and marketing meetings and the like. And it, I found trying to uh, do that and um, give the best to my um, employers whilst... Um, trying to be um, maintain being a, a mother was just too difficult. I was getting home at maybe maybe 
seven o'clock at night mm -hmm. and splitting 45 minutes of time between two children who were then already going to bed late because mm. they were three and one. Mm. So it was, um, it, it, it w was not working for me and it probably wasn't working for my employer. And um, I obtained a voluntary redundancy mm. um, package courtesy of my extremely kind boss. And um, I stepped into... Uh, full-time motherhood did you um at any point did you have you in the past years regretted giving up work because as a solicitor you're on a career path a quite well-paid career path um is that something you could have got back into in the recent mm. years would you like to get back into it I've looked at it um multiple times about whether or not I could get back into law um I it's not a particularly easy process because you quick quite quickly become um, out of touch and uh, um, not up to date with um, movements of the law. So I have looked at it, seriously looked at it twice, and um, both times, for different reasons, I've pulled back from, the, from investigating it any further, such that I've actually never applied for another legal job. I, but I have uh, worked, ever since I stopped that job, I have worked in some capacity or another. But instead of um, working and my children fitting around it, I've worked in a way that fitted around my children. Mm -hmm. So I switched the balance. I think professionally, I really struggled with identity when I stopped working as a solicitor because I had been used for 10 years to saying, oh, yes, I'm a solicitor. Mm -hmm. I couldn't say that anymore. I wasn't. Um, and uh, I did struggle um, uh, to say that I was a full-time mum. In fact, <laughs> to my um, amusement stroke embarrassment, <laughs> I did once on a form when it put in, uh, when I was filling in the section occupation, mm -hmm. I did write professional parent, <laughs> which I know is ridiculous and yeah. rather silly. Um, but I just thought, you know what? No, I do. I take this seriously. I am yeah. a professional parent. I'm doing, I'm not doing this. Uh, I'm doing, I'm doing this out of choice yes. and I'm trying to do it in a professional manner. I'm mm. trying to be the best that I can be as a, a full-time parent to my then two children. Mm. Mm. I no longer fill in that form <laughs> that way. I've got beyond it. <laughs> it is difficult. No one says, if you ask them what they do, no one says, I'm just a solicitor. <laughs> no, they, they say, don't. I'm just a mother. Mm. Um, it's, I, I, we're so, self-worth is so closely tied to how much someone is prepared to pay you for what you do. That, uh, that, that people, when you're a mother full-time and you aren't being paid, then some people mm. devalue that because they think, well, that's not got a price tag on it. It's, well, it's priceless. But um, it, is, it is a difficult one that people rate how important you are by how much someone's prepared to pay you for what you're doing. Yes, and I don't even think it was necessarily thinking about payment. Um, I'm not even sure that that came into it. It was much more about... Um, self-worth and and identity and just changing that identity from something that people go oh okay oh well where do you work or what firm mm. or what aspect of law or you know somebody would always have another question what I found most difficult is when I said oh uh, I, well I'm a full-time parent I'm a full-time mother now people go oh 
Mm. And then they wouldn't ask the other questions. There would be nothing more interesting. They'd sort of written you off. Yes, yes. And that is what I struggled with more. So it was probably a mixture of pride and disappointment that I was suddenly of no interest to anybody. Mm, mm. It's a difficult one. I I used to say, um, because I think that sometimes people are just trying to find something, the next question to ask, and they don't want to invite you to tell them about their your children's ballet lessons or something so so I used to say I'm you know primarily at home full-time but I used to work in international trade and then we can talk about that and uh, so I I think people don't want to maybe ask you about what you did before because they think that's going to denigrate what you're doing now but at the same Mm. time where do I start with yes. <laughs> how old are your children? You know, yeah. what nappies do you use? You know, you think, where are you going to start asking that question? Mm. Um, so what jobs did you manage to do along the way, fitting around the children? Well, I mean, uh, initially some just really tiny, ridiculously small things. So I ran a play group um, uh, close to where we lived, um, which I ran voluntarily for at least a year or two years. And then I started collecting sort of, you know, whatever it was, five pounds or 10 pounds a week that I made as a profit from having bought the milk and the biscuits. Um, And, you know, surprisingly, actually, those just little teeny weeny things do add, uh, they added up and I've managed to pay for swimming lessons and Mm. um, other activities for the children. I then started a music group with a, again, with another friend, um, which didn't last as long. Um, And around about the time that that was coming to an end, we um, moved to where we live now. So in beautiful Hampshire, uh, we had been living in South London and we moved with my husband's job to um, Hampshire. And I uh, it was at exactly that time that Alicia started school. So I had another separation going on there because we had been buddies for five years, almost five years and um, she was then uh, going to school. Benjamin was going into year two and she was into going into reception. So that was a really difficult time. Um, again, as a parent, that's because I then had no little ones at home mm. and that was another end of an era and, um, again, a change in who I was. So I had nobody at home. <laughs> we didn't have a home when we first came here because we were living in a bed and breakfast and right. um, also initially of course didn't really have any friends because we were completely moved to a new area so that was a really challenging time and I think did quite a lot of crying in a car park oh. from what I remember yeah. consoling myself about being Billy no mates however managed to find some wonderful friends thank you all everybody out there who's a lovely friend of mine <laughs> and um, I then also looked started to look for work and I found a very part-time job which suited me I could just do it within a sort of three four hours in the day um, around the children and it was for a promotional goods company based locally and I was just a general admin assistant in the office Um, however I had not been in that job very long before we were blessed with the um, the uh, soon-to-be arrival of our (laughs) third child so that was um a short a short career in promotional merchandise um before I went back uh to being a full-time mother with a baby which as I mentioned was absolutely delightful because I wasn't juggling a maternity leave 
Yes, and, and then since then you've done other jobs as well along the way. Yes, I have. So I worked for our church and I was the children's worker for our church initially as a volunteer uh, for about two years and then as a paid worker for about five years. Um, and I uh, ran some groups that children could come to during the week and I also oversaw the management of the Sunday school groups. Um, off the back of that, I started a franchise business um, running creative play and drama classes for predominantly preschool children. Mm-hmm. It's called Pajama Drama, and I still have a hand in my business, which um, is operated in this part of Hampshire and Surrey and West Sussex. Um, and that has that was really brilliant and was probably the thing that, that the the job that I have enjoyed the most uh, because I was able to pull together quite a lot of um, established skills and uh, reawaken a few from the past. So mm. um, I was running the business, so every, everything to do with running one's own business, so accounts and advertising and marketing and um, winning contracts, which I loved doing. I loved the chase to get a new mm. a new contract for running classes in a nursery. Um, I worked all the time with lots of people and I built up very good relationships with a number of nurseries in the area, which um, has been a real blessing. And of, then, of course, the children who I've just adored working mm. with. I think I, I estimate that I've had... In, uh, um, weekly contact with at least a thousand children in this area over five and a bit years um, and that has been wonderful. Mm. And what what made you decide to try and move on from that? It is a franchise business and the license to operate is in five-year chunks. Um, I, my five years is up and, and thanks to the head office I'm just managing the business for the rest of this term but I didn't think that I had another five years mm. of um, that particular line of work within me, it's, um, it's very physically demanding. And whilst it has a lot of upsides and, as I say, ticks all the boxes because I could work around the children, take my daughter to school, um, be almost always there for pickup. Um, and it was also education based. So I worked term time only. I had was coming full circle within my enjoyment of it. So I had loved all the, 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 the excitement of setting something up and establishing the brand and um, winning customers and contracts and um, running these classes and the, the joy and the creativity of, of them alone has been wonderful. But to carry on would be more of the same. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see myself doing that for another five years um so it was really a case of stopping now or or committing to five years which I knew without even starting was going to be mm. probably four and a half years too long yes so we'll uh, we will come on to um children leaving home but just quickly what you're doing something else now Yes, so I'm working for a Christian charity based locally and I'm heading up the administration for the UK and I've just completed day six. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a a constant um, transition with the children at the centre of your life and everything you're doing fitting in around that. Yes, so indeed this job, although it's a much bigger job than uh, in some ways than running my own business, it still needs to fit in around the children so I have fixed hours in order that I can be back uh, for when Isabel's back from school it's also 
part-time, so three days a week, because um, I have also have commitments now to um, elderly parents. We lost our father um, nearly two years ago, and I wish to be around more for my mum to support and help her and hopefully relocate her. We'd love her to live more locally. Mm. Um, Gosh. So I think it's just at a stage, certainly of the age that I'm at, it's not uncommon to be pulled in both directions, to still have commitments at home with one's own children, which I'm in no hurry to see come to an end. Mm. Um, Plus at the other generation end, having commitments to um, elderly parents and relatives who you will also want to be there for and have time for. Yes, yes. And uh, so thinking about um, Ben, who went off to university last year, he, uh, what's he studying? He's studying geography at UEA, University oh, of East uh, Anglia. Is he enjoying it? Absolutely loving it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you think he was okay when he went off um, to university? Did he enjoy starting and he he was totally fine 100 percent fine (laughs) there is absolutely no uh, and and actually I really I'm very grateful for that and um you know I can't say it was down to whether he lay flat in a pram or whether he was (laughs) breastfed or bottle fed but he was a very he's old for his year he's a September birthday in fact happy birthday Ben it's today he's 20 today Um, so he's old for his year and he's he's a mature young man and he was more than ready to go and it was lovely to see him full of that excitement and I remembered exactly how I felt um, at the equivalent time and how exactly also how ready I was to fly the nest and um, to start branching out and so that's been a, a, a real blessing to see him so quickly establish himself within his friendship group and his brilliant flatmates who he's now sharing a house with and just to to branch out and establish himself independently Mm. from the family yes yes and for you what was it like um in the run-up to him leaving was there a time where you started being sad about it or you know yes I probably started being sad about it when he was about 15 um (laughs) I you know I just love having my children at home absolutely love it and um as I say I was very glad for him to go because it it, uh, going to university or going going away from home it is a very exciting thing for a young person to do and it should be exciting and it should be full of hope and promise and um, a new chapter. So I got all of that. Um, however, for me, and, and, and I speak on behalf of Nick as well, it was, a real, it was a real sadness. We were losing our boy. He was not going to be there. And he has such a lovely presence in the house. I missed his presence. He wasn't, you know, I think probably... Possibly people listening have got children who spend as much time in their own bedrooms as my children do. And so it's not that they're, you know, talking to you every two seconds of the day or asking mm. your opinion on this or that. But they're there. Mm. They're there and we always eat together. So there was a there was a new configuration at the table to work out and there were gaps and um, I, I walked into his bedroom a lot 
So you'd you'd go into his bedroom? Yes, I did. I walked into it a lot. In fact, one of the first things I did was redecorate it because once all the posters had come off the wall and (laughs) all the clothes out of the drawers and all the gubbins out of here and there, actually the room looked a complete state. And um, (laughs) I set about redecorating it. So that was, I felt that was a good... um, positive thing to do mm-hmm. meant that he had a more pleasant room to come back to it also meant we could um regain our spare room for mm-hmm. for grannies coming to stay they weren't having to stay with quite so many football posters and the like mm-hmm. on the wall <laughs> yeah. um but it was a real sadness it was just such an emptiness in the house mm-hmm. that took some time to get used to and and I think you know by the time your child is 18 or as in Ben's case 19 you you know they have they have gone away from home for for periods of time, extended periods of time. Both he and Alicia did school trips, which meant that they were away for three weeks at a time, which at, the, which at that time felt an eternity. It felt much more like three months. Mm. But when, in fact, they do go away for those three or four months, and uh, we saw him once during the term, that first term, mm. it's a very, very long time. Uh, but technology is wonderful. WhatsApp calls are free. Mm-hmm. Video WhatsApp calls meant that we could keep a running check on what he looked like. And <laughs> we could see him raise his eyebrows when we asked him all, of, all the questions he didn't particularly necessarily want to have to answer. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that, w- that has been really good. And I think it has also drawn us closer um, perhaps as uh, as parents to Ben and possibly as a family, the the girls have missed him in different ways, but it, it has it had altered the dynamics of the family and I think we really, really appreciate being together mm-hmm. um, when that happens. It's a, it is a cause for celebration. I have heard um, mothers say that the good thing about WhatsApp is you can see when they were last on. So even if you're not yes. communicating with them, you see when they were last, they're, they're yes. still alive. Yes, <laughs> even if it was 3.30 in the morning when they last checked the message. You yes. think, oh, hmm. <laughs> okay. Which might explain when the, the message that you send at nine o'clock appears not to have been read until 12. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and did it, uh, was it really bad all the way from the beginning? Did it... Uh, did it start settling down? Did it get used to him not being around? Or I'd say the first week was awful. I described it at the time as amputation without anaesthetic. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just that real sense of loss and pain. Not grief, but, but a, a definite change which you know, you knew is a permanent change. It's not like they've just gone away on a school trip. Mm. This is the start of something new. And yes, of course, they're going to come back. And yes, of course, you're going to stay in contact. And it doesn't mean that they've left you forever. But then they've started that process of leaving the family home. Mm. And whilst they come back as students, um, you know that there will be a time when they have their own home and that... that, uh, they then go back to see the old folks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's, I, I think it must be very difficult because you build your identity uh, to some extent around your children, but your children mm. are always evolving and they're moving on to the next stage and you've invested a lot in them. You know, Even if you have a job and you have other things that you're doing, you are their mother and that's your visceral identity in life and then suddenly they're remote from you and you can't mother in the same sort of way I suppose 
Quite exactly, and you, know, you shouldn't. You know, I'm, it's. Um, I think it's all too easy to be a helicopter parent. You know, you're sort of always trying to swoop in and have a look at. And we were very deliberate in our attempts to to take a step back and um, to to let Ben make his own decisions and not and try not to be asking too many questions all of the time. But it's it's hard and it's a learning process. Is there anything you did that you found helped over the time when he was away? Did you set up any new routines or anything to... No, not particularly, Not certainly not that first term, which actually I have to say did go pretty quickly. Um, I, I don't think, uh, the, the, you know, there's always fresh beginnings and new things, aren't there? And uh, at that time, Alicia started Sixth Form College, so we were then back on the whole... Um, university investigation course investigation challenge and that was exciting to to do that with her as well so there's always something new I find and I didn't introduce anything new um that I can think of Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but things always change um and there were changes in my wider family we started my brother and sister and I started to uh, investigate the possibility of helping my mum to move house to live nearer to us and that occupied a large part of the early Mm. months in 2019 helping her to prepare her house for sale and um, looking for somewhere for her to move to, which hasn't yet happened, but hopefully will. Mm-hmm. So I think life took over rather than any conscious decision. I have yet to join that Pilates class that I've been thinking of <laughs> for quite some time. I was going to join a Pilates class when um, Charlie, my youngest, started school. Mm, and I still, that was a while ago I then. I still haven't yet. <laughs> That's right, he's now year six. I'm now thinking, you know, maybe when they go to university or if I retire at any point, but... Because I'm, you know, not, I don't do a lot of work at the moment. I'm thinking once they leave, they go to universities when I'll start working. So retiring is a long way in the future. Um, <laughs> but it's, and, and how was it when he came home at Christmas? Was it? Um, absolutely brilliant. Lovely, uh, really good. Um, was all that getting used to having him back in the house and the space felt different and it felt a bit noisier and a bit dirtier <laughs> and there was more washing and um, it was lovely. All of that was absolutely brilliant. And we had a wonderful Christmas last year, going away, staying away from home with family for the first time. And that was that was really nice. And, you know, those long university holidays just go like a flash. Mm-hmm. He was back off again yeah. before we could say Jack Robinson and, and back into the second term. So, yes, it, it was lovely to have him back Um and I would have liked it to have been a bit longer. Yes. And, na- and now he's gone off for his second year. What was it like second time around with him? Yeah, he's so he has, he has just left, yes, um, just under a week ago. And it was easier. But there was less to get ready this time because he had all the pots and pans and cling film and cloths and stuff which you equip your child with when they go off to self-catering um so he had all of that he was going to and is now living with friends in a house um he has an extremely well organized housemate who was whipping him into line far better than I could so that was an easier process um plus I had just started my new job and uh, Isabel had started secondary school and it all happened within a week so it was a very intense time where there was a lot of change and I had less time to think about him leaving I also 
couldn't take him there this time because he had too much stuff. So when we took him to university for the first year, all five of us went with all of his stuff, including a bike. This time, there was only space in the car for he and Nick to go and not a, a whisker of any other space was, was there. So nobody could have gone even if they'd wanted to. Uh, so I think that made a difference as well. I didn't have that, that last hug in a strange place. Mm. I could just say goodbye to him at home, and which I've done a million times. Mm. So I, f I think I found that easier. Although I still haven't seen where he's living or met all of his housemates, so that, um, that's a bit different because I would have liked to have done that. Yes. Uh, so you have um, Alicia heading off next. Is she going to take a gap year or is she going to go next year? Yes, she's, uh, she would love to take a gap year. It depends which university she goes to, but um, she's planning for, for one um, if, if, uh, if it goes that way. And do you feel the same way about her going off or are mm. you nervous because you know how much it'll hurt or do you, are you reassured because you know she'll be back at some point? It's a bit like having a vaccination, isn't it? You know it's for the good, you know it's going to help, you know it's the right thing to do, it's sensible, but that pinprick is still a pinprick. And um, yes, uh, will... My, uh, my sister-in-law said that she thought I would find it even harder when Alicia leaves home. Um, we're very close and we'd, we've done a lot together over the years and it will, I can't even bear thinking about it actually. Mm. It is difficult. I think, well, ABBA have a lot to answer for with their uh, Slipping Through My Fingers song that is they constantly <laughs> going around my head. And yes. Jeremy Vine always plays it this time of year on Radio 2. Quite. Sobbing mothers phoning up. It's, it's such a melancholy song, but it's so um, accurate. You know, this sort of sense of guilt that you something you haven't quite done something even though you know you've done all you can there's but you can you I mean you know there's always more that you could have done and um hindsight is I find desperately clear <laughs> it's just the current time that is really quite muddied and rather difficult and and time pressured you know yeah. you know I'm sure looking back I wish I'd done things differently um but we can't beat ourselves up we can only do our best at the time Mm. yes it's uh, I think as long as you feel that you've given all the time you can to your children you, everything has to be balanced you know I mm. used to feel resentful when they were little you know three and six or so that I was having to spend time cooking and washing up and things and leave them watching tv I thought mm. but these things have to happen they do they and do I'm telling myself in the future don't feel bad about this because it, the washing has to be things have to happen when yeah. you're not spending one-on-one -on -one time with them yeah doing puzzles or whatever well and I think that's you know that the myth of of being a, a full-time parent you know perhaps people think that you are you know this unbelievably homely person who's doing all sorts of wonderful individual creative art projects and science experiments and um, home cooking and, um, you know, Latin in the background or something. Well, you know, quite frankly, I don't think I did any of that, although we did do a lot of cooking and we did have a few fun science experiments that we do, which generally involved soaking the floor. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's another process, isn't it? It will be... I think Alicia leaving home will be a very big change in the dynamics because um, whilst whilst we have two 
of our three children at home, it feels nearly normal. Mm. When we have uh, Alicia gone and we have Isabel here with us, then I think it will feel really different. And uh, I think we all, and Isabel probably most acutely of all, are very conscious that there's a big age gap. So she will be a little lonesome, ownsome for quite some time. She's going to have a little experience of being an only child um, for quite some time when Ben and Lucy have left home Mm. uh, to go to university when she is back here. And I am so grateful to have Isabel. I mean, hooray. What joy. I don't have to think that in a year's time, I'll have no one at home. And that is such a blessing. Mm. And you're saying that uh, she's just started secondary school with all the startings, you know, you have the preschool, the primary school, secondary school, you have startings and endings, you have the end of preschool, end of primary school. Were there any transitions that you found particularly difficult along the way? (laughs) Um, Oh, gosh. Well, I think I can remember myself. In fact, I'm just looking on with just a slight embarrassment of my former self when Ben left preschool and how distraught I was that he was leaving this wonderful preschool where these lovely ladies had been so nurturing and caring for him. And uh, then I'm not sure that there was a dry eye at any of the year six leavers assemblies that I've been to, all three of them. I think I wasn't the only parent in tears clutching Mm. a tissue. Um, So I think, you know, I think all these changes and endings and fresh beginnings are part of life cycle and they are all hard in their own way, but they're, they're part of what makes us who we are and they're part of life moving on and progressing and you can't have a new chapter unless you close the old one mm, mm. it's difficult with the, each of these um transitions you're just losing your your, your earth moves a little bit doesn't it and you yes. redefine yourself i remember dropping charlie off at preschool the first day and coming back he was only there for an hour <laughs> coming home and thinking i want to put on CBBS or something have that see have yeah. that on in the background. So I'm used to having some sort of noise there, and it's very difficult because you absolutely throw your life into them, and they're part of you. And then mm. suddenly they're moving on, and particularly if you're nervous, if they're not enjoying themselves, and you think, how are they yes. getting on? I think that is very difficult, and I'm fortunate enough that we haven't had that extra dynamic. But I I know of many people who for whom that is a real pressure in the background when, um, when their child is not enjoying that next transition. Whatever it is, whether it's school or secondary school or university, I think especially when they're not coming home to you every night and you know that they're not happy where they are and that they're struggling with it, um, I think that must be very difficult. And, you know, thankfully, we haven't had that you know, Benjamin just embraced university and loved it from day one and has never looked back. And I'm absolutely certain that uh, Alicia will do the same. She's She is really ready for the next stage of her life and she's planning and preparing for it extremely well. And she's had the benefit of seeing Ben go off. So she's <laughs> she's formed her own opinions of how to do it. <laughs> Better, I have no doubt. <laughs> Uh, looking back uh, on the older two, are there any ages that you particularly loved? 
Oh, do you know, I'm a bit nauseating. I did love them all. <laughs> I have a real fondness for two to four-year-olds, probably because I've been working with, as I say, many hundreds over the last few years. I think that's a really special stage of life. Is there anybody out there with a, a preschool child? Mm. Hang on to it, enjoy it, love it, embrace it. They move on. They get older. Um, I really enjoyed primary school years. I think it's a time when you can forge friendships for yourself as a, as a parent at the school gate on the playground and PTAs. I've been a school governor. I've been uh, on a PTA. I've been really involved in my children's um, primary school lives and I've found it to be absolutely brilliant. I have loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, so yes, that, that was quite a sadness when Isabel left her primary school this year because that was my last one. And in fact, I um, worked out that I had been doing either a nursery run or a school run continuously without a single break for 19 years. <laughs> so it is a large, um, I'm not so old that it's a, a not insignificant chunk of my life that has been doing, <laughs> doing that. Um, and it's, it is the end of an era. And this week, uh, so I should, sorry, I should say last week was the first week that I haven't done a school run. Mm. How did that feel? Um, it, I think because I started my new job, it was, it was absolutely fine because I, um, I, I was starting my new thing as well. So we, Isabel and I started our school and job on the same day and we went in opposite directions and actually it was reasonably liberating um, to be on this new adventure for me um, as, as she went off on hers. So actually it was fine. But socially, I do miss seeing people. I love, mm. I've loved seeing all those great mums every day. Um, but I have a new fantastic team to work with, so I'm grateful for that. Yes, yes, there are. Uh, that, that's the thing. I find it with um, Charlie in year six, already I don't see the other mothers mm. very much. And I'm thinking, well, next year, well, we got a dog partly because of this. So I, I thought, well, if he goes off to school on his own and I'll, maybe I'll walk the dog at that time or something or I'll, I'll do something. And I'm torn between thinking because I, I have the... Um, well, the Moisey Foundation Solar Lights and podcasts and some work that I do. I'm torn between thinking, well, next year I'll have an extra half an hour in the day or something. Thinking, oh, no, next year I'll have mm. half an hour in the day. And it's equal yes. and opposite feelings. Yes, absolutely. I know. And I, and I have, I think, through throughout all of my parenting, um, done exactly like you, Claire, thinking, oh, I've got about 20 minutes right what can I do to fill it yes. and uh, and in fact I've uh, recently had to stop being involved in one thing and uh, my dear husband recommended that I take some time <laughs> before I consider how to fill that space so I think it is um, it's very easy to fill one's life up to overflowing to the brim and I think it is good to plan time which is partly why I'm also working part-time to how to try and uh, build into life some thinking space and some uh, me time, some house time, some planning time, mm. that it's not always in a rush and not always in the evening. I have been operating sort of the other half of my life in the evening for so many years that um, I would like to... 
I'd like to watch TV in the evenings, I think. <laughs> I think that's what I would like to start doing. I said that was my New Year's resolution uh, two years ago, was to watch more TV, and people thought I was joking. I yeah, said, but really, no, no. But I didn't manage it last year. No, no, well, I, <laughs> I haven't managed. We, uh, maybe, maybe, once, maybe once during the week and then Friday night. Well, this um, is one thing about transitions, actually, is that Amelia and Charlie are 10 and 13, and they're starting to want to watch things that I would be quite interested in watching. Yes. And so we can sit and watch something together yes rather yes. than them watching stuff well Amelia usually just watches Glee on her tablet anyway but you know there are tv programs now that are starting to be of interest and I think with the new phases in life there are positives in that to to look at absolutely and and in fact um a couple of years ago maybe four years ago uh Ben and Alyssa and I did exactly that we we figured out that we would all probably like to watch The Apprentice mm-hmm. And so it became our weekly meet on the sofa on a whatever it was, a Wednesday or a Thursday night. And we watched, I don't know, probably at least three or four seasons of, of that programme. And we enjoyed that time so much that um, particularly Alicia and I then found other serials and uh, box sets and things to, to watch in mm-hmm. that same time after the end of The Apprentice. And that has been really good. And in fact... I've just recently found something else that we can start with, so we need to we need to pick that up. I think I think you have to make a conscious effort, though. You you, you have to build these things in, just as we have to build in time for brushing our teeth and washing up and cooking supper and walking the dog. We need to build in time to spend with our children because they might be three, four, five, ten, nine, seventeen now, but they won't always be that age, and the time that comes round to them moving to the next stage of their life just comes too soon. Yes, it, it does. Uh, time just passes really quickly, doesn't it? And you, you want to be able to look back and think, I spent all the time I could with them. That's the only, that's the only sort of mitigating thing, thinking, well, yeah. we've, we've made the most of the time that we've had yeah. And, yeah. and enjoyed it while it lasted. Because when they're babies, they, they cry, they're very urgent. You have to deal with them. Yeah. But unfortunately, when they get old enough to be absorbed in a screen or, you know, mm. six or seven, 13, it's easier to have other things that you think are important. I need to get this done. And actually, you have to, they're, they're less demanding from that point of view from your time. And some children maybe don't want you to be noticing what they're up to. Um, and it's important at that time, I think, to make the time to spend together. Yes, I, I, I completely agree. And I think you have to be continually creative how to do that because. Um, surprise surprise they don't actually always want to go on a dog walk or go blackberry picking or uh, whatever so you've got to just think outside the box and we've had really successful um, times at the cinema or um, voucher codes and go to Pizza Express on a Wednesday night because you can and you know I don't know just all I really value holidays it is one of the one of the reasons that I work to pay for us to go on holiday. Mm. And I always start the year thinking, right, what are we going to do this year? Mm. And I think having concentrated time together, preferably away from home rather than a staycation, is priceless. I thought that when we did a big holiday when the children were about, uh, whatever, four and six, we went to South Africa, and that was quite a, a cost. 
But when we were there, I thought this is really worth it mm. because we've got memories. It's all about making memories it with, is. with the children and for yourself. Yeah. And also uh, on a slight um, tangent to that, I thought, well, I know they might not remember it, but I will. <laughs> and why yeah. do I have to wait until the children are 19 to go on a holiday that they might remember? I want to go on a holiday along the way that they'll remember from photos. But I'm still a person and mm. I still... I uh, want to go on holiday. We can't afford to go on holiday next year, but uh, it's. I think holidays are really important, and spending money on time spent together and experiences is yeah. just as important as being able to buy something updated. Uh, yeah, well, I would rather go away than buy something updated, which um, <laughs> anybody who takes a look at my house will definitely agree that that's clearly what is happening. Not at um, all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, time. You, you can't. You can't buy time. But you can you can pay for experiences, days out, holidays that that give you that time. And I think it's really, really money well spent. And I would always choose to, to spend my money in that way. Yes. And yeah, time with the children while they're while they're yeah. at home. And, you know, quite frankly, you don't one never knows what's around the corner. Mm. I think, you know, spending time um, with each other as a as a couple is is good. You never know. You never know what's going to happen mm. around the corner, and and we shouldn't take life for granted. It's a gift, and the present is a gift. Well, that will be the next phase when the youngest one goes off to university, and you meet your husband again. Yes. <laughs> and then you... yes, I'm hoping you have something to talk about when it's not the children or the dog. That's it. Yes, <laughs> that you. I, I, that's another whole realm. Well, sometimes I think, oh, when the children aren't around, we'll do this and we'll do that. Mm. But then I, I do think, well, then we'll miss not having them around. We'll miss, mm. we'll be able to do what we want or maybe go on a walk or go to a monument or something. But I'll partly be thinking, I'm sure I'll be thinking, well, oh, I can do this, but I've got no one complaining with me. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, just imagine going to a National Trust property and nobody whinging. It would be awful. <laughs> I suspect that Nick might possibly whinge if I don't live and give him enough time in the grounds. Yes. Make yeah. him look at too many pictures. I think poignant is a is a word. A poignant's the idea of something that's sort of happy but sad. That there's there's an edge to it. Mm. But you, I guess, if you haven't had children or you, it's good to be in a position where someone is something is poignant because you've had a, a lovely time up to then, and yeah. there's something that you're missing that you're sad about that you're that isn't there anymore. Yes, and I also think you know we don't raise our children to have them leave home to have no relationship with them mm. you know I really uh, hope and pray that as as the children do grow up and um, don't live at home full time that we still maintain good relationships with them and then as I say I I feel with Ben leaving is that she has been um almost a positive to our relationship it's not that it was poor before but I think it has um, got even better and it's different and we're meeting much more on an adult adult basis um, you know still with us wanting to try and give some direction and input and thought into his processing but with um, you know increasing respect to how he was working things out for himself mm. um, and Alicia promises me that she will still keep coming on family holidays. So I feel that possibly I'm going to have to up the game on quite where the family holidays will be to maintain that interest. But uh, I know yes. I would love to see things transition from family holidays with the five of us to family holidays with 
girlfriends and boyfriends and wives and husbands mm. and and I have started saving things for the grandchildren. Yes. <laughs> I have all those favourite toys and books carefully stored in plastic boxes in the loft because yes. I would love to be uh, part of that, part of their lives, should they be blessed with them. Yes, I was, uh, my sister held on to, I had one of those little dogs that goes squeaky, as you pull it along. And she, my mother gave it to her with her daughter and then it still existed by the time I had Amelia. And they gave it to me and I binned it because it's rusty. It was, you know, it was, <laughs> it would not pass health and safety uh, guidelines <laughs> at all. So they kept it all those years. So I look at some things thinking, hmm, I wonder if they'll still be allowed to use those. But that is, that's the eternal hope in a way, isn't it? That you then mm. the grandchildren come along and you can be part of their lives as well. Mm. Uh, well, I think yeah. that's a good note to finish on. <laughs> yes, and but just I'm not wishing grandchildren next week. I make that quite clear. Oh yes, that's true, yes. <laughs> to all concerned, all in good time. Well, actually, yes, not having finished, uh, that th- there's a sad thing about people leaving. But actually, you don't want them to be at home till they're 35 either. That's the no. You want them to be able to go. It's the it's the right thing that they go, and then maybe they're based at home for a while but this is all you sort of wish these things on yourself you wish the departure of your children as much mm. as you you dread it it's, yes. it's what has to happen it is it's the normal cycle of life and I, I think society has um, been challenged by the number of young people who cannot afford to live away from home mm. and that has brought um, new challenges in life and and you know it that can't be easy for anybody concerned. Mm. But maybe we also seek to live too far away from each other as, as a nation, as a society. You look at other countries where people don't automatically go to university at the opposite end of the country. They'll go to their local university or they'll do an apprenticeship in a, in a job, uh, with a job nearby and live within the locality of their extended family. And mm. that is more normal. And I don't think that we have that as closely in this country as as I see in others. And I think that is a weakness in our society. Mm. Well, you lose the wisdom of the... Well, you lose the manpower of the the older generation available for babysitting and just advice. And someone to give... I mean, going back to young mothers, just having a grandmother or grandfather around to give you a break, someone that you trust Mm. and you know loves the child almost as much as you do if you're living miles away I mean we've never had grandparents on the doorstep mm. uh, and you yeah you can't call on them no I think that was no. deliberate actually from my parents point of view to be living at a certain distance from all the grandchildren but uh, you don't yeah you don't have that backup so no much. no and I've ne- I have also never had it and uh, yeah if, if it works out that uh, we're in a position to give it then I would would love to be able to do so because I can see having observed other families what a benefit that is Mm. I know I'm thinking about my life when the children have left home and oh I'll do this maybe I'll go back to traveling and all this sort of thing in my job then I'm partly thinking well they'll be home in the holidays because universities only go back for about two minutes and then they're back again but then also you know if uh, grandchildren come along then 
it's very difficult that this current generation and probably the future one are very pressured into working because of the cost of housing. Mm. Yes. And to be available as a grandmother for free childcare and that sort of thing is... Yes. But then you never know what's going to happen in terms of we, children. You can't, we plan, know. you can't plan your future based on having grandchildren. Because no, you don't gosh, know I'm not certainly not doing that. Absolutely not no. at all, or w- would, would wish to. Uh, I've, I have several friends who are planning now in their early 50s for um, early retirements and travel opportunities Mm. So who have moved, in both cases, moved house to um, accommodate a sort of lock up and leave lifestyle Mm. where when the children leave home, they could take advantage of that desire, that burning desire to put the backpack on your back again, Mm. which I totally have. Mm. And then take another gap year. I've had two and I've been planning my third for a long time. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Sarah. We'll leave it there. Well, thank you very much for listening to that podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope it's inspired you to, if you do have children at home still, to really appreciate all the time that you've got with them, even if they're only six weeks old and never sleep and you think they will never grow up, um, just to make the most of every moment. Uh, I don't have any media moments this week. Um, There is actually nothing in the media apart from um, Brexit, which so we'll move on quickly. But I would like to mention um, the Mothers at Home Matter conference, which is on the 12th of November. Tuesday 12th of November in London. If you are a mother at home full-time or a mother at home part-time or uh, just want to meet up with other mothers uh, to talk a bit about your experiences as a mother and be encouraged in the value of the role you're doing, it's a really good thing to go along to. It's only, it's about, I think we're finalising details, but it's about £18 for non-members. And it's during the day in London. The speaker is Sarah Ockwell-Smith, who has written a book on gentle parenting. So she is, uh, she's a parenting expert, parenting coach, and um, a best-selling author who specialises in the psychology and science of parenting, uh, particularly gentle parenting and attachment theory. So if you are able to come along to that, um, there'll be there are details on the website, I imagine, or you can always email me and I can send you some information. Uh, my name's Claire Pay, and uh, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so far. You can find it on any podcast app, and it's also on Spotify. Uh, you can also follow me on uh, Instagram and Facebook, where I'm Mothers Matter Podcast, and on Twitter, I'm at Podcast Mothers. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Mothers Matter. Thank you to James Ede from Be Heard, who has done the audio production. And thank you to Mothers at Home Matter for all their support. If you have any positive comments, anything nice to say, please write to mothersmatter at outlook.com. If you feel it's really necessary, please send any constructive feedback to the same address, mothersmatter at outlook.com. And please do subscribe. I really, really would love it if you would subscribe. I'm hoping to do a number of very interesting interviews and to give a voice to mothers everywhere. My name is Claire Pay and you've been listening to the Mothers Matter podcast. Thank you.